Hey there, I'm Emlyn Miles Mattingly, your host for the Minority Money Podcast. I'm glad you're here. You know why? Because this is the place you can come to get your weekly finance, family, and fitness motivation, not only to experience success in those areas for yourself, but also to help others in our community achieve greatness too. Super happy that you're on the show with me. So let's jump right in. Welcome back to the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. And we are going to continue our Black History celebration this month. I hope you guys have been enjoying this. And I hope that you have honestly went out and tried to search and find some of your own Black History facts that aren't out there. So today, we're going to continue with the show. And we are going to be joined today by a great friend of mine. I'm excited about this. I always get excited when I have guests on because I love all of our guests. Like, I think we have incredible guests. And so today, we're going to keep it moving in that vein. And we have Shahara Wooten on today. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, Emlyn. I'm so excited to have this conversation. Thanks for the invitation. I mean, I just love your show. So I'm glad to be on it now. <laughs> awesome. So I always like to talk about how I meet people. So we met at a conference a couple of years back, 2019, when conferences were still, you know. Right. We had no idea. No idea. What was that? September? Yeah, it was September, September 2019. Little did we yes. know, a little bit later. Than, a you know, few months bit. later. <laughs> the world Life would change. change. But yeah, that was a fantastic conference. Just being together with other Black and Latino advisors. We had our own group that we found. So that mm -hmm. was awesome. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. That was an incredible time and a great, great, great conference. Good people. And like I said, I couldn't be more excited about being able to meet you and the group that we had and having dinner after that. It was just a whole, like, we had a great time. It was great. All of us. I think there's about 15, 17 of us that had dinner that night. Yes. That when I look at that picture, yeah, it was about 15 or so of us. And a lot of us still stay in contact with each other. So Shout out to that's Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I love that. I love that we're all staying in contact. Absolutely. Shout out to the Black and Brown group. You know who you are if you listen <laughs> to this. I'll just say that. Yes. Shout out to you guys, because honestly, a lot of that is how we got to do an Onyx because of the need and because of the camaraderie that we had when we were amongst each other. It just felt good. Like it, just, it was a different feeling. So Absolutely. Absolutely. So for the people that don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about you. Introduce yourself to the minority money community, if you will. Absolutely. Yes. So you guys know my name. So Shahara mm -hmm. Wooten. And I'm an engineer by training. So I'm a career changer type financial advisor. So went to Ohio State University and got my electrical and computer engineering degree. And then Got out of college and was a part of a sales and marketing program with the company I was working at. And when I lived in Philly, I remember living in Philly because I'll start there. I was 25 years old and had an opportunity to go to an economic empowerment meeting. And I had never been to anything like that through the Urban League Young Professionals. So I'm excited. I run up, you know, I see the insurance brokers, I see banks, I see all these different tables of people that are supposed to help us, you know, with our finances. And I ended up walking up to a bank table and there was a financial advisor behind there. And I was excited because I had not met a financial advisor yet at this point. And I was 25 and I said to him, I'm 25 and I want to retire at 30. 30 seemed ancient. Mm -hmm. Five years was quick. Yep. <laughs> so I knew that five years was fast, but 30 seemed ancient at the time when I gave that to him. And he just looked at me like, okay. And we met up downtown Philly in Center City. And I walked away with a packet of information. 
an application. And then I realized months would pass and we weren't funding it. We weren't doing anything with it. Mm -hmm. So I just became really curious about financial planning and financial education and just started to educate myself and just was like, wow, this person's not going to help me. I don't know if he left. I don't know what happened. If he didn't know how to open an account, I wasn't sure what the block was as to why I couldn't get that done. But it just whet my appetite to learn more about finances. And then I started to go towards the path of changing careers. And so after reading Purpose Driven Life and reading What Color Is Your Parachute, I really started to dig deep into what I wanted to do with my life when I grew up. And it was to leave where I was. And I also understood why I wanted to retire so quickly because I did not enjoy the work I was doing. (laughs) So just really getting closer to my purpose and my passion. And that's when I changed careers almost 18 years ago. This year, it'll be 18 years and got into the wholesaling side of the business, selling variable annuities to financial advisors, and then moving into the retail side where I was working with individuals, which is why I, you know, what I ultimately was wanting to do. And then in 2016, the light bulb went off that I could start my own firm, be fee only, Mm -hmm. you know, be able to build a life for myself that I wanted and work with the people that I wanted and be able to help to close the racial wealth gap to work with people that needed this kind of help. So it'll be six years here in July. That was July 1st. I always say is my Independence Day, my mm-hmm. personal Independence Day. So so it's been a wonderful journey. It's been a lot of experiences. It didn't go like, you know, life does not go in a straight line, right? So it's had its ups, its downs, but I would never trade it. It's just been a great experience. And now my focus is to work with people who, especially Black professionals and even STEM professionals who have just a heart for, they're like, you know, I've been making money, I'm working, I'm working hard, but I want to get financial freedom. I want to get to that place of financial freedom and really be a part of a movement to close the racial wealth gap. And that way I can have financial independence and be able to do the things that, you know, I want to do and also create a legacy for the next generation. And that's who I'm attracted to working with. So I told you guys, you you heard it here. You're hearing it from her now. I thought this is black excellence right here. I love it. I love the story. I love what you're doing. I've been able to watch you and then building your firm and having that you had went to school, started your career and said, this is not what I want to do. I want to do something that's going to bring more impact. And then how you got there, like that's so incredible. Like, I love it. I absolutely love it. And anyone that's listening, be encouraged, right? Be encouraged. Yeah. When you said the book, What Color Is My Parachute? My parachute, yes. I've never heard of that book, but I'm reading it. I promise you that. I've never yes. heard of it, but we're putting that the in book. the show notes. And I, need, I need to know. <laughs> it sounds like there's gems in that book. I'm going to go find that book. Major gems, major gems. And it changes every year. So 2022 is already out. Oh yeah, I'm on it. That's it. Yes. I mean, hold on, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> That's in the show notes, just in case you're trying to live this, you know, trying to elevate your own life. You should probably tap in and read that too, right? Absolutely. You've done so much in like the career changer, you know, with the, and this is just a shameless plug for BLX, right? So we got the internship program. In the internship program, we have a, an element of it where we actually talk about, you know, give career changers an opportunity to be an intern. And mm-hmm. when I hear you say the story, it was like, this is the exact reason why we have that. Because there's how many people like you that 
get into this and need help getting through it. You know what I mean? Like there's so many different avenues to the financial, I say financial service industry, but this is just awesome. And today we're going to be talking about financial narratives and I'm ready to just dig in on this. So talk to us a little bit about that in general, like financial narratives. Talk to us a little bit about what that means to you. Absolutely. So the name of my firm is Your Story Financial. So I believe that everybody has a financial story and everybody has one that they want to create. And part of that is a narrative. There's a narrative to it. So even with any book you can find, there's always some type of purpose behind it. I recently wrote a book actually called In the Meantime, Own Your Financial Narrative. And really what I am focused on is creating your own financial narrative. And I'm going to have to back up a little bit because some of the driving force, like I said before, was the wealth gap. The fact that by 2053, Black wealth is slated to go to zero. 2073, Latino wealth is slated to go to zero. What in the world? You know, I wanted to be a part of the solution to make sure that does not happen. So when owning your financial narrative, it means taking ownership over your narrative so that all the other outside forces that are telling us this is the way it's supposed to be for you and this is what it's been like, we can own our narrative. We can begin to learn and take opportunities to become educated about our finances, to talk to others, to have that conversation and to get the help that we need as well and begin to take ownership of this narrative and create your own narrative. You know, like I even tell people, even within my business and what I'm doing, I'm closing my own personal wealth gap. We're closing each one of us. You know, we have this overarching wealth gap, but we all have a personal wealth gap that we're trying to close and catch up with. And we have to take that action. We have to pursue it. We have to prepare. We have to plan. And so that is what I'm really big on is what do we do in the meantime? What do we do knowing this information, knowing all these things are stacked against us? What do we do to make sure that we know what to do with the money that we're getting and how to handle that and to create that legacy for the next generation and pass that on? Whether we get, you know, reparations, whether we get any additional funds outside, what do we need to do to take action for ourselves? I love that, like controlling the narrative, telling your story, right? Absolutely. Let's tell the story the way that you want to tell it. And I think even in that telling your own story, taking back that financial power, right? This has been yeah. such a place where we have given our power up to a number of things, but mm-hmm. you're able to take that back and tell your own story. And you said something about the wealth gap. You did say two stats. I want to spend some time talking about the wealth gap specifically, but you said that Wealth for Black families would be at zero by 2053. And for Latinos, that same zero would be 2070, right? 73. 73. Yes. Wow. So let's talk about the wealth gap. Go ahead. Yes. Let's talk talk about it. Absolutely. So as I started to work with people and in my practice and just started to see even just previous firm that I was working with and just some of the measures that they would have us be measured by or, you know, perform according to. And a lot of it had to do with assets. So I was noticing that, oh my goodness, where are the assets? You know, my people, where are we with assets? We might have income and we might be, and there's a whole gender and wage and racial wage gap, all kinds of gaps going on. But, you know, when it came to assets, 
when I got into the financial services industry, I saw that there was a difference between black wealth, white wealth, and, you know, based on race. And it just was a reality check. So it caused me to dig a little deeper. What is going on? And I always, my parents were very big on telling me my black history. Like I definitely was sat down in front of documentaries as a kid. So I always knew and was very proud of my blackness and who I am as a person because they instilled that into me. But it was really telling when I learned that in 2016, there was a study revealed that the black wealth was 17,100 and white wealth was 171,100. And when I saw that, it was like, oh, well, there you go. That's why I'm seeing such a chasm between finding people with a certain amount of assets and them being African-American versus not. And so it was just that reality check that, wow, we need to do something about this. So there's that. And then there's also the 228-year number, which says that there is a wealth gap of 228 years between Black people, Black families, and white families. And in my book, I actually go through and I start off talking about Greenwood, the Black Wall Street. And that is just one example as to why that happened. There's Jim Crow. There was a history of terror. It's not because Black people hadn't tried to do things or they hadn't pursued or made any efforts. There were quite a bit of efforts, and we're still doing that even today, but they were halted. They were throttled. There was a history of exclusion in the country that has caused this gap to happen. I mean, we can go back to enslavement and it's amazing I'm here today because I am a descendant of enslaved humans and I'm here today because of them. But when they came out, they didn't get anything. But then one of the things that I was doing and learning in my research, there were plenty of homestead acts between the 1840s and the 1930s where many, many white Americans and immigrants received and got just pretty much handed to them land, Mm -hmm. just given to them. So Mm -hmm. my heritage is one in this country where we built the country at no cost, under toil and distress, and didn't get anything. So that's part of the gap. That's part of why there's a gap. But then also there's redlining. There's so many different factors of exclusion. So that is just the reality check that I had to come to grips with. But then I said, well, How do I make sure that I take the necessary steps to do my part, to make sure I understand all of this, to make sure that, and then also be a part of a group of people, because I'm not the only one and can't be the only one, to help others to be able to close this gap? You touched on so many different things that are all absolutely true. And it's almost like the narrative that the country is told people about Black people is that they're lazy, that they don't want to go out and work. And then the other thing is that just fires me up and boils my blood is when people say, well, slavery was so long ago. I said, listen, hold on. Let me just talk to you about that real quick. Let's just touch on that. Because my grandmother, Mm. when she was alive, told me stories of her grandfather Wow, telling her when the slaves were free. Like, don't tell me. Like, that's three people ago. That's, yes. That's three people ago. And so when you hear about that, and every turn, we would have been the only people in this country treated the way that we were treated. There's not been one other group of people in this country that have been slaves for the people that are in this country. Yeah, and what that does to you mentally and emotionally, and even the way that we raise our children now, we haven't even gotten into that. We haven't even gotten into the slave master mentality of discipline of our own children because wow. of what we've seen. 
and the way that we do yes. things. It's so deep. It's a cyclus. It's a deep psychological embedment that's been in our lives since we've been here. Every time you see a black man on TV prior to the last two years, he was paraded out in handcuffs. He was playing on a football field, playing some type of sport. There's no one out there telling you that you can be smart being smart. I remember it was Robert Smith. He said, if someone would have told me when I was a kid that I could make more money being smart than I could being strong or fast, I wouldn't have wasted time trying to play sports. Wow. That's That's powerful. And so even at every turn, the way that we're celebrated is never for intelligence. It's always for our physical ability. And our physical Mm. ability is what got us in this country in the first place and helped. I'm going to stop because I'm going to get, you know what I mean? But right. I hear this you. is, you know, what I mean, it's the same thing. Like I look at the NFL Absolutely. draft is one of the closest things to slave trade that we have. Go out I there, know. show me how you can run, jump, show me how much you can lift, show me everything that you can get in here and let me look at your body. And then we're going to pick whether or not you come onto this. And then now we have an NFL that's owned. <laughs> Stop. Okay, so right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you saw the Colin Kaepernick Netflix mm-hmm. special, right? When he started that out, I was like, do you see what he's doing? Do you see what he's doing? I was looking at my husband and I was just like, that is exactly like what you think about, you know, and you guys got to watch it. I won't give it away. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> Man, you got, you, got me, you, got me, right? you got me all fired up here. So, yes. so let's talk about the prepare, plan, pursue. Talk about that. I like Absolutely. that. Yes. So it's a framework that I put together regarding just the process of how to look at your financial planning. Because for one, we have to prepare. We have to take the time, take the effort to do our own financial education, find financial education, be proactive. And I'm really big on that. And then one of the things that I've learned and and something that came out with folks that read my book is that there's a language to money. There's a language someone put it that way. And I said, you know, you're right. And when they read it, they said you were speaking a language and I was learning and we need to not be intimidated by that. You know, so just like you've learned English and if you're bilingual or trilingual, just like you're learning all these other languages, I'm learning French right now and things like that. There's a language to money and we shouldn't be intimidated. And financial planners, like ourselves, we do try to make it so that it's easy to understand, but there's also that opportunity to prepare and to learn it yourself so that you can speak that language as well and not be intimidated by it. And then from there, I'm a big proponent of planning, taking your life, and I'm a life-centered type financial planner. So I like to look at what are your goals? You know, we talk about your goals, the possibilities. I like to replace it with possibilities and just dreaming, taking the time to dream, and then having that aligned by planning. So really planning that and also really understanding that we as financial planners can see transitions that you will possibly have. There's about 60 or so different transitions we can have in life and they can all be connected to money. And so that's where having that financial planner to really chat with, to talk about your planning and have some foresight is really key and then pursuing it. I'm big on acting. You know, don't just have a plan as a doorstop or something, mm-hmm. you know, take action. And then there's like that accountability as well. So go after it, take action, and then find your community, find your community of people to be able to pursue it with. Absolutely. And I think when you're talking about talking through goals, you have to have, them. you just have to have them. And it's one of those things that 
when you do it in the context that you're talking about doing it for the clients, it just makes it fun and it makes it easier to do. So yeah. that's awesome. I think, I know we talked a little bit about this, but I really love how you talk about like this creating that financial narrative. This is something that I was thinking as you said it, and I should have asked you earlier, but when you were talking about transitioning, because I had a call the other day with a lady that was actually, I, I believe she was engineer as well. And she was thinking about getting into this practice. And so I know there's a lot of people that think, you know, at the beginning of the year, a lot of people always have all these different ideas. Can you talk a little bit about your thought? Because you did talk about the passion. You talked about, but when did you know that I'm leaving? Because that's a big decision. Like you went to yes. school, did this. And I should have asked earlier, it's on my mind, but I wanted, I didn't oh, want to interrupt. Yeah. But it was something that I really wanted to ask. So when did you know? Like, how did you get there? Man, yeah, it was one of the most exciting days. But what it was is, how did I get there? So back in, we're going to go back in time. <laughs> so, so back in the early 2000s, right? So it was 2002 or so when I actually started interviewing with different companies. So I was still doing my engineering job. I was in engineering sales. So I was driving and I was in the tri-state area. I was in Philly, but I traveled to New Jersey and Delaware and Philly and, and went to all these different distributors. And that's one reason how I got there, because I just knew this was not a good fit for me. And I didn't feel like I was in my place. And I did feel out of, of like a fish out of water. So, you know, you're already I'm a black woman. I'm an engineer. So I'm already in an environment that I'm the only usually but then all my clients were white men, but they, you know, I could have probably felt unsafe going to some of these places. I was in West Philly and these old, it was like dungeons, but going to places like that, I was like, this is not what I, <laughs> <laughs> what I went into engineering for, you know? And I felt like my coworkers were like, she's the young one. And so we're just going to, give her the clients that we don't want to go to. I mean, I would go into these offices and this was early 2000 and sit there and chat with the people that I needed to sell this product to all these circuit breakers and stuff. And they would be smoking. So I would go home smelling like smoke, looking like, what am I doing with my life? So, okay, so that's part of it. But like I said, you know, prayer and reading Purpose Driven Life and really saying, you know what? I know this is not it for the rest of my life, but I had hints of that even in college and that mm -hmm. I did internships like you were talking about. And I knew, I knew, but there was a point where I just said I've had enough and started to network. That networking thing is so key. I remember being on a plane and I saw someone and I was studying behind the scenes. I was studying for my series seven, 66, because I had interviewed with AXA and nationwide and Ameriprise at that time is what they were called. And that's what I knew. That's the only way I knew to get into the industry. I didn't know any other way. And so I just, I interviewed with them and then ended up going with AXA, but I was still working full time. And I remember just really studying and I actually recorded and this is when take cassettes and all <laughs> we were playing on cassettes right, yeah. so I would record the series seven material. Mm -hmm. I'd be driving from client to client listening to my series seven material. And I was like, I'm gonna do this. I gotta get out of here. You know, going to each client, going back to the office where all the salespeople would congregate. It was just everyday motivation that I gotta get out of here. So one day I realized I was talking with an access advisor that was mentoring me. 
And he was telling me, I'll go with you on calls. So in the evening, I was gone on calls and I had a bunch of friends that I had lined up because obviously, you know, list all your friends and family. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm going to my friends and I remember leaving someone's house and I was like, oh, my gosh, she had five thousand dollars. I was so excited. Mm-hmm. So excited. I thought that was a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I went back and I told our mentor, you know, the person, the trainer, and I said, this lady, she had 5000 I'm ready to, you know, hopefully open an account with her. He said, well, Shahira, if you have cash, we're really looking at them having at least $50,000 cash. And then from there, we want to look mm-hmm. at the other accounts that they have. So basically, he was telling me that's not going to be enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, wow, I don't know that I'm going to be able to do this business, mm-hmm. you know. Actually, after that, I went back. I told them, you know, I paid for my licenses. At this point, I had the Series 7. I had the 65 and or the 66, I think. 66, 7. I was fully licensed, life and health. And I just went back to my engineering job, my engineering sales job. And then I remember being on the plane in Thanksgiving. And I was flying from Philly to Columbus, Ohio. And I saw this guy sitting next to me. And I saw his materials he was studying. I said, what are you going to do with that? And he said, oh, I'm a wholesaler. Mm -hmm. I was like, what is that? I've never heard of that. And so he gave me his card and I was just intrigued. And I called him. I said, hey, can you get me a job? He was like, I don't really know you really well. I can't (laughs) do that. And so I was just like, okay, I get it. He was with an insurance company. And then I thought about it. I looked at all these different mutual fund companies and all these different places. And I was just like, they're seeing that I'm an engineer. They're like, what is she doing? And Mm -hmm. so I said, well, you know what? Let me call my friend. I see an opportunity and I know she works for a division of that company. I Mm -hmm. called her. I said, hey, there's an opportunity to be a wholesaler with um, variable annuities. I've never heard of that. don't really know a lot about it. Mm -hmm. But can you get me an interview? Can you pass my resume? Mm -hmm. So she did it. And the manager called me and I had an interview and that's how I got into the industry. And it was just amazing. I loved working there. It was ING annuities at the time. And, you know, I was in Philly and then I moved to Phoenix when we opened an office there. Then in 2009, the market tanked and they did layoffs. And Mm -hmm. I said, I can go back to Philly or go to Iowa or stay in Phoenix and get a severance. So I just took the severance, Mm -hmm. stayed in Phoenix and then heard about Edward Jones and then started with them and then went ahead and seven years later from that point, that was 2009 and then 2016 started my own firm. So that was my change. That was how I got in. It was was actually the change was really when I I told somebody what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I wanted to touch on that just because I think that sometimes people think when you make that big decision, it just all happened at once. Like you just did it. And then it was like it was a process. There's going to be all kinds of warning signs of what you want to do. Like you probably don't want to do this. Yeah, I don't want to do this, you know, and, and so I'm glad that you were able to get into the industry and then make your mark on it. Talk about this. I know we got to talk about the book. Come on now. Tell them about the book. Yes. Yes. So what's funny about the book is I don't like writing. I like speaking mm-hmm. and I like doing videos and audio, things like that. But writing a book is no. But you know what I learned is I love telling stories and I love teaching. So once I got that framework and understood, I was able to link up with a really, really neat program. It started out at Georgetown University. 
And they were able to really guide me through over about a 10 to 12 months. I started October 2021 or 2020. Is that right? Yeah, 2020. Years are gone. So 2020. And then August 2021, I published the book. So just a really nice time frame to be able to write a book. But the biggest thing was to get something on paper to be able to hand to people that would give them a framework on how to do their financial planning, how to create that wealth and get that foundation, because that's what the book is. It's very foundational. It's an easy to read piece. There's inspirational stories of people who have overcome despite economic injustice that we're aware of. And then there's history dispersed throughout. And then there's also financial nuggets as well, right? So financial education, and I love history and I love telling stories. So it just all came together in the book and it's called In the Meantime, Own Your Financial Narrative. So super exciting. I'm just excited. I just finished recording the audio for my book. Oh, nice. Yeah, so that should come out later this year. And then the hardcover just got approved. So I'll be getting my hardcover book copy soon too. So I'm excited about just the whole process of being an author and getting the word out, the message out in a different way. Absolutely. I love it. And what's the name of the book one more time? In the meantime, own your financial narrative. In the meantime, own your financial narrative. So we are definitely going to have links to that in the show notes. We want to make sure that people can get that. And I'm going to get it. (laughs) Like I need that. So I'm going to get that myself. So excited for you. You know, I think that you're doing some incredible work. Your journey into the industry is very encouraging. Your resilience, you know, you have to be resilient to get in and it's awesome. Definitely got to ask you these questions. As you know, this is the Minority Money Podcast. where yes. We're changing the complexion of wealth, right? With everything that you're doing and all the incredible work you do, what keeps you motivated and inspires you to continue to learn and grow and lead? Absolutely. What keeps me motivated is I'm very optimistic. So I have just a belief that we can create these goals, but then we can also change. Like you say, we can change the complexion of wealth. I love that phrasing that you put together there. And it's just that belief. And that's what keeps me going. It's that belief that we can change, that things will change, and that I'm a part of that solution as well. Absolutely. I love it. Love it. Do you think education plays a big role in wealth building? Absolutely. I touched on it earlier. I think there's just a language to this. We have to understand. But I also believe that we have to be willing to be patient with others because sometimes that education is more impactful when you're actually going through the situation. So it's good to have a foundation, but be able to say, okay, well, now that you're going through the scenario, how can you pull in that education that you have? Because it's a lot we can learn and then we forget but how to apply that education when the situation happens and who to get, who to talk to to help you with it is key. Absolutely. Absolutely. This one's not on here. So this one, I just, I know you got an answer for it. Okay. So I always ask people about Black history, right? So when you hear Black history month or Black history period, what does that mean to you? Yeah. Black history means to me, it's everybody's history. Mm-hmm. You know, so when we think of Black history, like for me, I wrote this book, it published in August, people read it, they're like, oh, there's a lot of Black history in there. And then I even got to watch my mouth, like, this is our history, you know? So when I'm sharing with you what's going on, what happened with Greenwood, when I talk about what happened before Wall Street was formed and enslaved 
humans were being sold. When I talk about life insurance and its history of exclusion from that and just how the Black community feels like, you have to embrace it. No matter what culture, ethnicity, race, or what have you, you come from, that is your history too. And yes, we have 28 days in February that we focus in on it, but it's year round. It's year round. Amen. Amen. 100%. I believe that. I believe that everything that you're saying and people don't realize it and they don't accept it all the time. But black history is American history. If you want to talk about American history, you can't separate black people from American history, especially the black people that were brought here unwilling. This is our history. The country of the United States is just as much ours as anybody else's. If you could offer one piece of advice for our listeners or more than one, you know, but if you offer a piece of advice for our listeners, what would that be? I would say, let's start talking about money. You know, let's do more conversations like having podcasts like this, having a book, having group sessions, things like that. Take a proactive stance on talking and having conversations around money. That's what I would say. Absolutely. I love it. Today, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. This has been an incredible conversation. And I know people want to get more of Shahara. So what social medias are you active on? Where can they find you to get some more stuff from you? Yes, I love Instagram. So you can find me on Instagram. The handle is money and moves, mm-hmm. money and moves. And then I'm on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is my other area that I go to. So you can find me. I'm Shahara Wooten. Type it in. I'll be happy to connect with you on there. And I truly appreciate this conversation, Emily. Awesome. And I look forward to getting this out. I can't wait till people hear this. I know they're going to absolutely love it. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your work. Thank you for your commitment to the industry and everything that you do. We really appreciate you and loved having you on the show today. We'll probably have you back, just so you know. Okay, um, thanks. We'll probably have to tell you how you come back. So just so you know. Thanks, Emily. As you all know, this is the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly. Until next time, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. Another great showdown, but it doesn't have to stop there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening on now and give it a good rating, would you? If you feel really connected to the podcast, which I hope you do, find our Facebook community, Minority Money VIP, to support and be supported by others just like you. And again, we're glad to have you. While this podcast is meant to inspire and motivate you to live your best life, it can't be your complete one-stop shop. I know, I know, that really sucks. But I don't know anything about your specific situation. So please reach out to an attorney or CPA, or you can reach out to me, a financial planner, to help you with your specific situation. To get a hold of us, please reach us at fan at Minority Money Podcast. That's F-A-N at Minority Money Podcast, so we can get to know you there. Thanks for being here and until next time.